Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this October 2017 episode is Research Secrets from the Pros. We'll start things off at the Genealogy Insider blog, where Diane Haddad's going to share six timeless tips from genealogy experts to work through brick walls and build your family tree. And then in the top tips segment, Lisa also will be here to answer the question that you may have, how do you know when you need professional research help? In our 101 Best Website segment, author Dave Frixell is going to share some of the best genealogy websites offering online genealogy tips and help. And in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Vanessa is going to share some of her favorite strategies that she's picked up over the years from the experts who teach Family Tree University classes. There's a lot to cover, so let's get started with news from the blogosphere with Diane Haddad. We're talking research secrets from the pros, and a great place to start is with our own genealogy insider, and she's the magazine's editor, Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hello. I noticed that over on the Genealogy Insider blog, you wrote the perfect post here for our episode, which is, can't find your ancestor? Genealogy experts suggest these six tips. And you talk to an awful lot of experts, don't you? (laughs) I do. And working at the magazine and working with our contributors on on writing their articles, I do pick up some things here and there. Absolutely. So when you hit a brick wall, what are some of the most common suggestions that you get? People will often ask us about their specific ancestors. And a lot of times the answer is in doing one of these six things, which experts will often recommend. So the first thing is to define the problem, write down exactly what it is that you need to know. So I gave an example in the blog post. I have this um, Kolbeck family from Germany, and it's a big family, and they appear several places in my tree, and I just don't know how they all fit together. And then my DNA says I'm related to this person who has Kolbeck in Idaho. (laughs) I did not realize I had any family in Idaho. So my problem is just trying to figure out how all these people fit together. So, right, just defining it and being pretty specific, I imagine. Mm -hmm. So that you'll know what what it is you're looking for. And then you've got number two here in the article, which is, like you said, reviewing what you know about them. Mm -hmm. So you go back and you look at stuff in the context of knowledge that you've gained since you first found that record and you notice things that you didn't know before. You know, it just didn't hit you before because you didn't have that knowledge you've gained since then. Exactly. We're always a new genealogist every day, aren't we? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And then create a timeline. And I I find that this is a suggestion that I hear a lot from pros, but the hobbyist doesn't tend to turn to this tool very often, but it's pretty powerful. Yes. And you can do this in your genealogy software, or like if you have an ancestry tree that has that facts feature that shows the timeline of the records you've attached. Um, You can do it in an Excel spreadsheet if you want to, or write it down. Just look at each record and notice the time and the place, and then write that down. So you can see where this person was, you know, at a certain time related to 
um, where his family members were. Right. And then researching the whole family. So I guess we should not be getting hyper focused on the person we're having a challenge with, but we really need to kind of spread out. Right. When you look at say the witnesses in a baptismal or marriage record, or um, in in my example here, who that your ancestor is the state administrator for somebody's probate process. Those people are their their extended relatives, their coworkers, their neighbors, and our ancestors would travel with these people and um, settle near them and work with them. So their records are going to tell you about your ancestors and vice versa. Absolutely. And then once you've evaluated all this, you've got number five here, which is to create a plan and specifically a research plan. A lot of times when you're, you know, you're not sure what to do next, you'll just search randomly on Ancestry or Family Search or MyHeritage or what have you. And the best way to spend your time is to figure out exactly what it is you're looking for. So what record is going to give you the information that you need to solve the problem from number one on this list? And then how am I going to get that record? And that's basically what your research plan is. Yeah, it's almost like writing out the recipe before you bake the cake, you know, (laughs) really having a game plan. And that leads to number six, which is ask for help. And I think what you've done here is really lay out all the important things. You should be doing all these things right before you go and ask for help, because otherwise it's hard to help people. You know, it's hard for people to help you. Yes, help them help you. And you could you could ask a professional genealogist. You could ask, you know, your genealogy society friend to take a fresh look at it. I, have, I belong to Facebook groups for the little town in Germany where these Kolbecks come from, and then also for the local area where my family settled. And those kinds of things are good places to ask people. They have that local knowledge that um, it's going to help you. And maybe even some of them are reaching the same people. Exactly. Oh, well, this is terrific. So all of you listening, this is your game plan. We'll have a link to her article in the show notes, which is a nice little outline of the steps you should be taking in order to follow the expert advice of the pros and maybe make a little more headway into some of those more challenging genealogical questions that you have in your family tree. Great. Thank you so much, Diane. This is awesome. Welcome. Talk to you next month. In this episode, we are talking about research secrets from the pros to help you with your research. But you know, there may come a time when you feel like you need a professional researcher to kind of step in and help out with a more hands on approach. Well, author and Family Tree University instructor Lisa also is here to help you figure out how to know when we need professional research help. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me back. Well, this is, uh, I think, an ideal topic to talk with you about because I know that you're kind of knee deep in the genealogy community, you know, a lot of professional researchers, and you've done research. As we're looking at the database that we have and the tree that we've built and, and the things that we've collected, we do run into brick walls. But how do you know that this brick wall is really constitutes, you know, pain and getting that extra help? I think it can be different for you know each researcher, of course. But I know for my own self, I do especially do a lot of research that takes me to another country. Mm-hmm. And so my ancestors are Slovak. And so 
researching in a, another country can be very, very challenging. And so that's one instance where I really think a professional on the ground near the archives who understands the culture, the community, the language, I think that's a time where a researcher, no matter what your level of skill is, can, can benefit from using somebody else. So again, I think it's different. Now, sometimes it's also distance dictated. So for example, you know, you maybe you live in California, but your ancestors all settled in Ohio and you know, not everything is online, so you can't find something, but you need somebody on the ground to go and retrieve that information or to help you make sense of different types of records that, that you need to acquire. So it can be different for each, you know, each researcher, but I think there comes a time when you analyze your tree and analyze what your to-do list, hopefully you're making a research plan, and you can see where the biggest holes are and then take steps to maybe find some help to help you solve those problems. Yeah, it's not always just, I don't know, you know, what the next steps are, but it could be, you know, what the next steps are, but you're actually not the best person to be doing it. Like you say, it could be somebody in a different location, because you've traveled abroad quite a bit. And, you know, with your own research, I imagine that a foreigner approaching an archivist that archivist doesn't know you from Adam. You're, maybe you're not speaking the local language. Uh, you don't know the local customs. So there can be kind of a little bit of a disconnect. You don't connect as quickly as you might with somebody in your own backyard. And that can make a difference. I mean, in terms of the reception that you get and the assistance that you get, don't you think? Absolutely. And and I can tell you that from personal experience. When I did travel to Slovakia in 2012, I, w I had a guide, a professional researcher, go with me to different civil registration offices and archives, district archives. And one of the archives, the communication with the archivist was challenging because they didn't speak very good English. And I really don't speak Slovak. I know a few words. But having that researcher there helped to make the the communication a lot easier and also there were uh, specific procedures that needed to be followed for payment and for just the whole procedure of actually you know getting into the and requesting the records and so having I actually had somebody physically with me that I was paying for his time but it was well worth the money spent because it was a successful trip and had I been there alone, I may not have had as much success. Mm -hmm. I could see that happening. And I imagine there also, I think you kind of touched on it, there are times when you just need a second pair of eyes, you just need an evaluation of what you've done, before you kind of hang it up and say, there's these records just don't exist, have a professional maybe review your work, and give you kind of an analysis of if you have covered everything, and if there are any little items out there left to be found. Absolutely, I agree with that. And because that's, you know, the professionals, that's what they go, th most, most professionals go through the certification process. There are some who do the work without being a, you know, a certified genealogist, and they have the experience, usually, hopefully, behind them to back up the quality of their work. But you're paying for that knowledge of, of 
uh, where else to look and to analyze and to you know make sure that the citations are right and the sources are right and you're paying for that person's expertise to look at the problem and be able to figure out where to go next. Well, I think um, you've laid out several different scenarios and, and this is really great because while we're grabbing all of these wonderful ideas throughout this episode, it's nice to know that there are a couple different situations where it's totally legit and actually will may- maybe speed up the process and be well worth the time and the money to solicit the help of a professional. Always awesome to talk to you, Lisa. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again here soon on the podcast. Thank you, Lisa. Well, here in the 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, we definitely have you covered when it comes to websites offering expert advice. And here to tell us more about them is the author of the list, Dave Frixell. Hi, Dave. Hello. Oh, we love digging into this list. You conveniently break it into the various categories. And one of those is the best websites for expert advice, getting that online genealogy tips and help. So who are you recommending our listeners turn to when they need some help? Well, what's interesting this year, in the past years, you know, we've had a lot of blogs, and way back when there were just sort of pages with, you know, a lot of text and stuff. But more and more, just like everything else online, we're getting into multimedia. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there's this site called Genealogy Gyms by some woman named Lisa Louise Cook. You may have heard of her. Uh, um, yeah. familiar. And yeah. <laughs> there is all these <clears throat> great podcasts where it's like, you know, having your own genealogy radio station. So that's pretty cool. And there are also videos a helpful blog there. So that's worth a look or a listen, I guess we should say. And then there are, again, sort of new is the availability of videos uh, that are instructional and have expert advice. And among those, I mean, that are really quite cool is uh, there's the Roots Tech site. And so if you didn't go to Salt Lake City and go to this really great conference there, hey, well, you saved the airfare, and you can now see videos of all of the 2017 sessions, and also there's an archive of 2016 presentations. So you basically got, you know, all the best genealogy and technology people, and you can watch them at your leisure without having to book a hotel room or, you know, fly to Salt Lake City. So it's... Really, just a wealth of uh, useful advice there, all, you know, just sitting there online and for free. It really is. Then there's also, if you're a fan of the Genealogy Roadshow program on PBS, which uh, I get just a huge kick out of, they have a a really nice site where you can watch episodes from the first season. Uh, You go behind the scenes and tips on topics like getting started or connecting with royalty, even. So it's like, you know, again, if you if you miss the show on your local PBS station or you want to rewatch it or you want some of those extra tips and advice, you know, that's the place to go. Yeah, that's a great site. It's, it's nice to be able to catch up but kind of on your own time. And, of course, YouTube is a place to do that. And there's the Family Tree Magazine YouTube channel. Exactly. The YouTube, you know, it's it's just amazing what's uh, there. I tried just searching, and this was you know, back when I was writing the thing, so it's probably even more now. But I searched for family history research and uh, got 4.7 million results on YouTube. So it might take a while to watch all of this, what I'm saying here. <laughs> uh, so there's Family Tree Magazine has a channel. Um, Ancestry has videos. 
the, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, other options there. But, you know, again, here you are, you know, with all, all this free advice. You can watch on your computer. You know, there are all kinds of ways you can watch it on your uh, on TV if you'd rather sit in the, you know, comfort of your living room and get advice about uh, genealogy. So, exactly. uh, you, you, I, I think years ago we would never have thought of YouTube. It was just cat videos, you know. Exactly. And, uh, and, and now it's suddenly there's this, this, this trove of genealogy information that's online in what would have seemed at one point an, an unlikely place. You know, it was like cat videos and people, you know, falling over and things, uh, uh, you know, or <laughs> surfing or whatever. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's completely different now. It's a whole, whole new uh, deal. Oh, yeah. That, in fact, that's as much of a focus for us at Genealogy Gems as the podcast is. And we've got hundreds of videos there. And one thing that folks may not notice, because it's very subtle on any channel at YouTube, is that when you get to the channel page, you'll see a couple of different tabs across the top. And there's you're usually on the home page. But playlists is where the channel has organized by topic. And then there's a little tiny magnifying glass. And if you search that you do have a search box. So even if we have several hundred videos on our site or the National Archives or Ancestry, like you said, they can go in there and they can keyword search and boy, that'll just jump you right to what you want. Yeah, because with that, again, there's you almost run the problem of too much of a good thing where it's like, well, I have all these millions of videos, where do I watch or what? What's going to help me with my, you know, my, find my Scottish ancestors or whatever specific, you know, one. So being able to search it is is really a powerful thing. Well, then we should probably mention two, uh, a couple of other sites that are, you know, mostly old-fashioned, you know, blog type advice, but are nonetheless great. Yeah. Um, and one of them is called Genia Musings, um, and it's uh, Randy Siever's site. He keeps up with what's new at all the top genealogy websites, so you don't have to. And it's, it's nice, too, because he gives a lot of examples from his own research. It's not all about, you know, him, but the examples really bring, you know, that life. He does. He really walks you through step by step the different things he's trying to explain. So, boy, if you, you want to see it, he's got it. It's like looking over his shoulder, you yeah. know, as he's doing uh, research. So it's a really useful site. And then finally, there's the site called Ancestry Insider, which has been in our uh, 101 for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And it's really a, uh, not, besides the, despite the title, it's really been an uh, insider guide to what's new with both Ancestry and Family Search. And sadly, um, after the issue, our issue went, the anonymous, mysterious person who has been uh, doing it for all these years uh, has decided to uh, stop updating it. It's still a good site with lots of information, though. It's still online. Um, and it's also fun to read because it was done with a you know, sort of sense of humor and, and some wit. It, it was a really useful site for keeping up with those two you know, really crucial, you know, main, most important sites that are online. And alas, it probably will not be in 101 Best Websites um, next year. So now's right. the time to take a last look and see if there's anything you've missed in it. Well, he's retired. He's getting his chance to do his own research. And of course, both Ancestry.com and FamilySearch.org have terrific, very robust blogs of their own. So they really are keeping up. You can kind of stay up to speed with both of them by just doing a real quick Google search and put in Ancestry.com blog, and you'll be able to keep up there as well. This and is a really great list. Too. Yeah, yeah. It must have been hard to uh, <laughs> to pick. There are so many great things out there, but uh, you make a really good point that... It's, it's not just the location, but then it's finding the stuff within it. So target your searches within any of these wonderful resources. Thank you well, so much. And of course, much. All, these, 
are uh, free, which was the theme this year. So yes. uh, it's free expert advice, even even better uh, advice you don't have to pay for. Absolutely. Well, I love it. I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the entire 101 Best Websites list, which includes this terrific category. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks so much. At the top of this episode, Diane shared some great tips that she's picked up from the pros over the years. So I definitely wanted to ask Vanessa Whelan, the Dean of Family Tree University, the same question. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. Hey, you work with lots of pros who teach for Family Tree University. What are some of the best tips that you have picked up from them over the years? Well, there's really too many to count in a lot of ways. I'm very fortunate that I get to do this job and get all kinds of tips. So there's a few that stand out. One of them is fresh in my mind because the course is actually coming up soon. Um, That's German Genealogy 101, and that's taught by James Beidler. And one of the things that I've learned him is regarding my German ancestry is to look for your German ancestral village and passenger lists and census records. The census can give clues to what year they immigrated, and passenger lists may contain the city or village they came from. As a result, I was able to find my ancestors village which is actually now in poland oh fascinating yeah and james he is the pro at that i'll tell (laughs) you yes he is oh that's a great tip another one that comes to mind is carrie scott she's a big fan of evernote as are we Mm -hmm. one of the tips that i got from her is how to use tags in evernote to do better research Evernote's not just for organizations sometimes. You can tag by name, date, location, record type, occupation, all kinds of things, obviously. And you can even do that all in the same document. So every record note that I have has type of record tagged, whether it's a census like the 1920 census or, you know, another record like a death record, and then all of the names of the people in that record. And so that way, when I need to see which records I have for a person, I can click on the tag that has their name, and all of the records that are tagged with that will come up. That is a fantastic tip, because you think about the old days where we had everything in file cabinets, you could never do something like that. And here it's just a click away, and you get this customized collection of records to be able to see what you've got. It's awesome. Absolutely. And then with census records, you have seven, eight, nine, sometimes more people on there. Yeah. So you have one note, one record with multiple tags for multiple people. Rather than seven copies, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So the final tip that I have to share is from Sunny Morton and Shannon Combs Bennett, and that is to evaluate your source. One of the big questions that we need to ask ourselves when we're looking at information, you know, it's really exciting to, you know, find that record initially. And it's like, oh, I finally found the record. But we can't just say, here's the record and not really think about what it's telling us. So one of the questions that I always ask myself is who provided the information and how long after the event was it provided? The closer to the the event the source is, the fresher and more reliable the information it contains will be. And as for the person providing the information, did they see it with their own eyes? Do we know who is reporting this information? Did they know the person very well? You know, those are important questions to ask to determine the reliability of that source. Exactly. It's like, you know, not all sources are equal, if you will. And looking at the background of of how that source came to be tells us an awful lot about the accuracy of it. And that's a terrific course. That's the um, Become a Family History Detective. 
Is that an ongoing class? Is that a, a couple times a year class? It's a few times a year. I believe the next one we have is actually coming up later this month and on the 23rd. Oh, fantastic. And Carrie Scott, she's teaching an Evernote course or workshop, isn't she? Absolutely. Yes. She, um, we have the next one for that one scheduled or actually it just started. So the next one will be in the new year, um, which is coming up rapidly. And the, she also has a few different videos or on any time courses that you can also get such as the organize and tag your data in Evernote video that you can find. And we'll have those that information for you. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, I'll have links in the show notes. Great tips. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for this October 2017 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Head on over to familytreemagazine.com slash podcasts to find the show notes for this episode and links to all the websites that we mentioned. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website. It's genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available for free through iTunes. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. Mm-hmm.